welcome back to another episode of Getting to the Bottom of It, the Hatchet's weekly news podcast. I'm your host, Alec Rich. On October 9th, President LeBlanc announced that GW would remain online for the spring semester after weeks of discussions with the Faculty Senate Executive Committee, Student Association leadership, academic leadership, and the Board of Trustees. Among some of the reasons LeBlanc cited for this decision to remain online were the overall health and safety of the community, recognition of the continued spread of the virus across the country, and community feedback regarding the planning time needed for the spring. The move came as a surprise to some in the GW community, though it does seem to be a somewhat overarching consensus, especially among those who were weighing GW's options for the spring, that this, in fact, was the correct one. And there are many reasons for that rationale, the most notable being, as I said, the continued rise of cases across the country and on college campuses specifically. But for more specific insight into the decision-making process itself, we'll first turn to Zach Schoenfeld, who's been covering all of this as the Hatches Administration Editor. Hey, Zach, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. So first, just walk us through how this decision was made. We know that administrators began meeting about what the spring semester would look like uh, beginning in September. And we knew from the first few meetings that they had that they were looking to make some sort of update in the mid-October timeframe. Now, when they had started meeting and we began hearing about this, we didn't know exactly if that mid-October update would mean a firm decision on the spring semester like we now know, or even if it would just be an update simply saying, we're still working on it with potentially some other updates regarding study abroad and other programs for the spring. GW has definitely been on the earlier side of announcing their plans for the spring semester compared to most universities. So when this announcement came out here in October, it seemed to to those who had not been involved in the planning conversations as a little bit earlier than maybe as you would have expected it, especially compared to the announcement for the fall, which of course came at the very end of July, only a few weeks before classes started. So this is definitely a lot more lead time for announcing the spring semester than it was for the fall. So why do you think administrators made this decision to go earlier on this? Well, from their first few meetings, Provost Brian Blake said at the September Faculty Senate meeting, that even just from initial conversations, it was clear that things had to materially change for students to fully come back to campus in the spring. So right from the onset of spring planning, administrators were saying that the most likely scenario is that either we would continue virtual operations, as now we know the plan is, or potentially limited cohorts of students, but not all students coming back to campus. So you know, all the way from the onset, it didn't look like we would ever really fully be back Um, for the spring unless the unexpected would change. And now that we know of continuing to watch, you know, case numbers um, across the country continuing to tick back up, um, including in the DC area, which hasn't had a major spike, but things aren't getting a whole lot better than they were at the start of these conversations. So now that we've made the announcement, administrators pointed to the fact that it's looking like things could get better, things could get worse, but frankly, they say the uncertainty just makes it necessary to continue virtual operations. They also cited a need um, to provide students with definitive information. And it seems to be a response to some students who said uh, at the end of July when they had announced the fall semester would be online, they did get some criticism for Uh, the timing of the announcement, how close it was to the start of the semester. So it seemed that they wanted to get the information out about what the spring would look like as soon as possible. I also do think it's interesting to note um, that this announcement comes before class registration. Typically in about that mid-October timeframe is when officials will post next semester's uh, class schedule for the spring online. Now at the time of the announcement, they did not make that public with registration typically happening during November. 
So by making the decision this, this early, it will also allow students to look for classes and then register for classes, knowing that they will all be conducted online. And uh, this decision was not just made by top administrators. You know, can you talk a little bit about who else was involved in this process? Absolutely. So with these major decisions, um, the university has formed many different groups to, to look at and make the top decisions. So obviously, it eventually went to top administrators. But before they made a final decision, they had consulted many different stakeholders across the university. We know that the Board of Trustees was involved somehow. We know that there had been conversations with the Faculty Senate, uh, leaders from the Student Association, so some various you know, prominent leaders and prominent groups um, around campus. And I think that's also interesting to note, given that especially on the faculty side and the faculty senate, we've seen in recent months with other top decisions, some senators criticizing the administration for how they've gone about making those decisions, and some senators have criticized the lack of faculty involvement. But in terms of the announcement for the spring semester, it's, we've seen a very different tone from faculty and faculty senators. Um, we, they, there hasn't been a whole lot of criticism. I, I haven't seen any at all from faculty saying that the decision for the spring semester was made without appropriate faculty consult. So it seems like the process in which they made this decision was very widely known to a lot of stakeholders across campus and was very positively received. And, it, and, and according to the people who said they were consulted, they said the general consensus was that GW had no choice but to continue online for the spring. And as far as student reaction to the decision, you know, it's been somewhat of a mixed bag, but one sticking point has definitely been the decision to hold another virtual commencement for this year's graduates. Do you think that's an issue that the administration might change their stance on at some point down the line? Well, I guess there's always a possibility if things, you know, were to change, but just based on the wording of the announcement, officials' exact wording was they don't anticipate holding it. I would, I think based on that, it's unlikely. And we would have to see, you know, the, the public health situation get dramatically better for officials to basically almost make a reversal. So they didn't quite close the door on things, but they definitely made it seem like people should assume that commencement isn't happening. Uh, but you know, only time will tell a, a final decision on that. Yeah, Zach, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be on. So as Zach and I discussed, this decision was made a bit earlier than some in the GW community might have expected, which is why it might be interesting to take a look at how we fit into this broader picture as far as colleges around the country deciding on their own spring plans. For that, we turn to Dr. Lynn Pascarella, who is the president of the Association of American Colleges and Universities and an expert in higher education. Dr. Pascarella, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So as an outsider looking in here and obviously an expert in higher education, I first just wanted to get your take on this decision by GW to remain online for the spring. Well, it's certainly consistent with the decision that many other institutions are making and, and indeed state systems. So the California state system in September announced that they would be moving online in the spring uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is to allow students and faculty to prepare for, for the upcoming semester, um, but also in that case, because of the inability to afford testing and um, engage in tracing operations that are necessary to ensure the safety of faculty, students, and staff. Did you think this was too early of a decision? A member of our faculty who was on the Faculty Senate Executive Committee, which was partly responsible for making this decision, even said there wasn't a single voice that was advocating for on campus or a hybrid spring. No, I think it's the more advanced notice that individuals have, the better prepared the institution will be in terms of meeting the 
mandate to support student success in these trying times. And in terms of that preparation, faculty have said that it potentially with this longer planning period, we might have more courses coming up and um, different opportunities in the spring. You just, that's a fair assessment of this extra time that we now have? Yes, there's not only the opportunity to provide professional development for faculty and staff, but also the opportunity to engage in innovation, knowing here are the circumstances under which I'm going to be delivering a curriculum in the spring. And you also mentioned the wider reach of the coronavirus on college campuses. It's increased even more since the last time that we spoke a couple of weeks ago. Do you think that other universities and colleges will continue to follow suit here in the coming weeks and, and go virtual for the spring as well? I think they will. Um, we're seeing a proliferation of cases on, on college campuses and uh, institutions are reacting in different ways. State systems, Massachusetts and California have mandated flu shots. Um, they have, in the state of New York, said that campuses need to close for two weeks if they meet a certain threshold of 100 cases or 5% of the population testing positive within a two-week period. And so institutions are taking special precautions now that we're likely to see a resurgence and the conflation of flu symptoms with coronavirus symptoms. What effect do you think this might have on, especially at GW, a freshman who you know, we're looking forward to potentially being on campus at some point throughout the year, and now you know, they have been online for a semester, and they really have no connection to GW essentially at this point. And do you think that this could play into whether it's GW or another institution or uh, campuses that are online? You know, do you think students might look to you know either skip another semester or you know transfer entirely? It's certainly possible, but I think students understand the urgency of the the health and well-being, really promoting the common good as opposed to individual rights and preferences at this moment in time. And so I think that GW students would, would be willing to sacrifice um, some of what they had hoped for in an on-campus experience for for the public good. And you know, what do you think is the role of professors and administrators in ensuring that students now, GW students, especially going to the spring semester, you know, are you know, remaining engaged in the GW community and are able to keep it on top of their coursework because you know, being you know, in an environment removed from campus can be you know, extremely daunting for students, especially. It can be. Now more than ever, faculty need to be proactive in engaging students on an ongoing basis, not only around the course curriculum, but around issues of well-being and belonging that are critical to maintaining diversity in our institutions. So, so what are some ways that they can do that? By having regular open office hours, and now this, this virtual format has created a, a, a new opportunity for contact among faculty, staff, students, um, creating assignments that recognize the toll that this virus has taken on students' abilities to perform. So if we look at the reduction of cognitive bandwidth among students as a result of financial stress, um, concern about personal well-being and, and the well-being of family members, uh, and a whole range of, of psychosocial issues that are brought to bear around this moment of racial reckoning, um, then faculty need to develop assignments 
that will help students progress over a period of time rather than assess them in a particular moment um, that that is fraught with these psychosocial issues. In further into that, you know, on these, a lot of classes are being conducted over Zoom and or Blackboard Collaborate or some kind of virtual platform. How do you think in those specific settings, professors can keep students engaged and, you know, still allow them to learn in the environment that they're in now? Well, there are a whole range of issues. Um, we've we've seen um, flipped classrooms for over a decade now, but using technology, um, making sure that there are surveys done within the context of classrooms, that there are small group conversations using formats that are available to faculty so that we're not disrupting the way that uh, class pedagogy has been used to promote student success, but taking advantage of, of technology to further our goals. And lastly, I want to go back to the point about GW specifically. You know, we, we know that part of the rationale behind this decision to go online this spring was because of the interaction of you know, that the full-on campus community would have with the DC community at large, and especially older professors and, and residents as well. So with that in mind, you know, do you think GW specifically as an urban university has a greater responsibility to its urban neighbors than let's say a school that's on more of an enclosed campus? GW has served as an anchor institution that has demonstrated that their success is inextricably linked to the health, social, economic well-being of the community in which they're located and those they seek to serve. And so they need to take into account um, the pandemic and in the community in which they're located, state community restrictions, um, but the impact that this is going to have not only on those within GW, but in the extra commu extramural community as well. And that's one of the significant strengths of the institution. And so you think this was ultimately the right decision? Absolutely. Dr. Pascarella, thanks so much. It's my pleasure, Alec. And since the decision to remain online, officials have even made additional announcements, including making Election Day a university holiday and the decision to make one course pass-fail per semester this year. However, students have criticized the November 6th deadline for that pass-fail choice this semester due to how soon that deadline is. So as the administration continues to make adjustments to the fall and spring semesters, please continue to follow the Hatch's ongoing coverage. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Alec Rich and is produced by Gwen Wheeler.